Go bow your heads and pray with me. Lord, we are here, and through all of the difficulty and the obstacles to arrive and just be present with one another, we are here for you. And so, God, won't you honor this time, bless it, give us more of yourself. Speak to each and every individual heart this day, not because of my prep or my words, but really because we are unpacking together your word, your word that is divinely inspired, so intricately construed. You have made it and fashioned it that we might know you. And so, God, I pray that in spite of me, because we are gathered to draw near to you, God, that you would allow us to know you more. Speak. Speak through your word. Your servants are listening, God. We're here for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Seven Mile Road. In just a few weeks, we are going to be diving into a longer series together as a community called Show Me Your Glory, because that's our longing. It's our desire as a church body, as a church family, to, to gaze upon the face of the Lord and say, show me more. I want more of your name. I want more of your, your face. I want more of your purposes, your glory. I want all of it. And we as a community long for that. And so before we actually get to dive into a longer series together called Show Me Your Glory, we're going to spend the next couple of weeks just doing a quick, brief character study of the man who was bold enough to ask such a request. We're going to dive into a character study of Moses these next few weeks and his audacious request. Show me your glory, God. will make more and more sense as we get to unpack just parcels and pieces of his character. And what we're going to be diving into this morning, what feels fitting to begin with, is how Moses' relationship with God, his God, began. And what we're going to come to find through these handful of verses is that all Moses really wanted in beginning his relationship with God is just to engage him from a very safe distance. I just from, a, from afar, I just want to kind of be a witness, a participant. All Moses wanted was to engage God from a safe distance. What it reminds me of is my son Elijah. And this is a picture of us at Bucky's. Maybe you've been there before. Bucky's is a monstrosity of a, of a gas station. There's 1,000 pumps and 999 cars. And we are all trying our very best to maneuver. I just need some gas and some snacks. So maybe you have some tokens of such a place. You have some beaver nuggets at home, or you've got, you know, a doll of a beaver, and you don't know what you're going to do with that doll, but it's, it makes sense to have one. And so my son is enamored with all things Bucky's, right? Like, he, he has a ball with the beaver's face on it, for crying out loud. We love to throw that ball around. And he would see inside Bucky's, there's Bucky everywhere. He wants to touch everything, see everything, and then we actually see Bucky walking around. And kids are running up to Bucky, taking pictures with Bucky, and I'm like, we got to go. This, this is it. You get to see the real Bucky. And instantly, as I'm drawing close to Bucky, the beaver, my son digs his face into my shoulders and starts wailing. He wants nothing to do with Bucky anymore. Because now, all of a sudden, Bucky's larger than life. Much bigger than his. When it was a face stamped onto a ball, when it was the size of a doll, when it was some trinket that he could maneuver and control and distort, but it was all good. 
But when Bucky is larger than life right before him and uncontrollable per his rules and his standards, he wants nothing to do with it. Wailing, digging his face into my shoulders, crying inside Bucky that he just wants to be free and to be away. And so this picture is the embodiment of Moses. (laughs) All Moses wanted was to witness God from a safe distance. We don't need to get close. Right here is fine. We're going to come to find together, per this passage, that we are a lot like Moses. We're a lot like my son Elijah. That if we're honest, we all prefer to interact and engage God this way, from a safe distance. We love to control the environment in which we engage God. We love to have trinkets of our relationship with Him. We'll we'll take a token here, a necklace here, like a bracelet there. We'll have a bumper sticker. But when it comes to engaging God larger than life, in your midst, at your face, we all, like Moses, would say, you know what? A safe distance is just fine. And yet what Exodus 3, 1 through 15, will reveal to us this morning is God will not be engaged that way. If you are called to God by name, if that's you in the room this morning, I have news for you. You have been sent by God for his name. They're two and the same. If you have been called to God by name, you have been sent by God in his name. And the invitation this morning is, don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. So let's dive into the passage and unpack this together as we get to study this, this man Moses. Moses, who is counted as a man of God. Moses, who is considered a friend of God. He spoke to to his God as a friend would face to face, is what the scriptures say. And he starts in a very different place this morning. So let's figure this out together, how we are so much like Moses in many ways. Look in Exodus 3 with me, verse 1. It reads this. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said to himself, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Now I want to pause here uh, and just identify together. Moses, Moses is just a simple man. He's just minding his own business. He's being a good son-in-law. He's, he's leading the flock. He stumbles upon the mountain of God. How do we get here? And he stumbles upon a bush that's burning but's not consumed. I should probably look at that. Moses, per these early verses, is so simple. Maybe like you, maybe like me. Not too exotic of a guy, not too spectacular, just minding his own business. There's a fire in a bush. He stumbles upon the mountain of God, and his curiosity leads to something divine. God himself calls him by name, Moses. Moses. This is an approach that God leverages to this day, where curiosity leads to being called by name. I just want to say that aloud 
This is how many people, maybe you specifically, have stumbled upon this very space. Your curiosity has led you to one day from God himself to be called by name. He's still in the business of doing that. But I I just want us to recognize together that Moses here, Moses is a simple man just trying to keep a safe distance. He sees something that sparks his curiosity, and all he wants to do is just, I just want to get a peek, and I'm good. Because Moses' response is, here I am. And maybe for you, because it does for me, it echoes a really God-honoring, biblically saturated response. There are several other instances where heroes of the faith in the Old Testament respond to God with, here I am. We think of Abraham, when God speaks to him and says, Moses, go sacrifice your son Isaac on top of that mountain. And he says, here I am. That's what we think of. We think of Jacob. Jacob, who receives a vision, a dream from God to flee from a dangerous situation, instantaneously wakes up and he's off and running. Immediate obedience. Here I am. I'm going. We see it in Samuel. Samuel hears the voice of his God, and time and time again, he finally is able to realize, oh, this is God. Here I am. Your servant is listening. And then there's Isaiah. Isaiah receives a vision from the Lord, and as he says, here I am, God, in all your majesty and all your wonder and glory, send me wherever you want to send me. So we think Moses' response of here I am is something like that. It's an echo of, oh, the heroes of faith. This is a very different sort of here I am. This is not the here I am, send me. This is not the here I am, I'll do whatever it takes. It's not the here I am, I'm eager to engage my God. It's an anxious, fearful, and reluctant here I am. Because verse 6 tells us when God reveals who he is, he just immediately hides his face into his hands. He's, he's doing this number because he doesn't want to see this God. It's, it's the same sort of hiding that my son Elijah did into my shoulders when we got close to Bucky. Like we don't need to be here. You see, what Moses' here I am statement is a lot like is that phrase on your resume that says limited working proficiency in Spanish. <laughs> you all have it. I know you do. You live in Houston, so you think, I just got, I got to put something. We live the most diversity in America. Like, we, we got to put something about, you know, whether it's elementary proficiency. I, got, I took some Spanish. It's, it was years ago, but, you know, like, I know a few words. If you say something, I'll nod my head and I'll say, see, sí, gracias. You know, like, I, I, got, I got some things down. And we're all hoping, we're all assuming that we'll get into an interview one day and someone will say, oh, limited working proficiency in Spanish. You're, this is perfect. You didn't know this maybe as you walked in, but that's exactly who we need. Can we just do a little bit of dialogue back and forth to make sure that you actually actually got some proficiency? You see, we we all in those moments would feel like, oh no, you weren't supposed to talk to me about that. That was just like a, I'm I'm like present with everybody else to get my foot in the door, but but I just want to emphasize that the main word in that statement is limited, (laughs) limited working proficiency. And so we... We, like Moses, just want, to, we just want the foot in the door. We just want to be able to participate. But we don't want anybody to ask us anything else. All Moses is saying is, I'm, I'm here. I've got some limited proficiency. That's all I've got. And God wants to talk to him about that. You see, this is not a faithful here I am. It is not a, no, I am excellent, very proficient. This is Moses' present, just my foot in the door. 
You see, this is the man of God. This is the friend of God who speaks to him as a friend would face to face. This is Moses, the rescuer of God's people. And he begins his relationship with the Lord with, present, please don't ask me anything else. And what we're going to come to find is that because God has called him to himself by name, he is eager. He is excited. He is desirous to send Moses in his name. Let's continue on in this passage to, to unpack that together. Look with me in verse 7. Verse 7 says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the, Hiv- the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, I want to pause just for a moment because what God is doing here is he's presenting to Moses the conflict. Like every good story, there's a major conflict. The God, the God of the Israelites has heard for hundreds of years their cries. Every single one. He has seen moment by moment every one of their afflictions. These verses unpack for us unique words that aren't used in other places in Scripture that with with just synonymous words to help us realize that when God sees pain, he sees the misery, he sees the the suffering of the, the actual bruises and the scars, he sees your state externally and internally. There are multiple words used here to make sure that we know God sees the problem. He hears the cries. He is presenting to Moses, this is a conflict. And I'm going to, because I have heard and because I have seen, I'm going to I'm going to come down, and I'm going to deliver. So that's the, that's the phrase that God uses here. Look with me in verse 9. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. I have also seen the oppression with, the Egypt, with, with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Verse 10 is about to come onto the scene here, and we assume that it'll be just like the previous verses. God's going to say, I'm going to come down, and I'm going to rescue my people. But God says something very different here. He starts the same way. I've I've heard their cries. I've seen their pain. What does he say in verse 10? Come, I will send you. The the setup is clear. I've heard their cry. I've seen their pain. I'm going to come down and I'm going to deliver. I've heard their cry, Moses. I've seen their pain. I'm presenting you not just the conflict. I'm presenting you the solution. And guess what? It's you. It's you. Me coming down and delivering and and rescuing up out of this terrible situation, guess what? The solution to that conflict is you, my man. It's you. You see, what we have to we have to pause and recognize that this is this is a great story. My wife and I got to watch Mission Impossible this past weekend a couple of days ago, which would highly recommend. Uh, I don't care how you feel about Mission Impossible. I'm just here to say that I love it. And uh, Mission Impossible to me is, like, this scenario was very Mission Impossible-esque, right? Like, there is a global superpower, call it a terrorist organization or some artificial intelligence, whatever's taking over the world, 
and all of a sudden an envelope appears to one man in particular, Ethan Hunt. And it's going to incinerate in six seconds, so you better read it quickly. But you get this letter, and it's like, hey, guess what? There's this major conflict. What are we going to do about it? It's taking over the world. Go do something about that. That's Mission Impossible. I don't know how many times over. I don't know how many movies there are now, but like eight times over, it's global superpower. What are we going to do about a terrorist organization? Ethan Hunt, it's you. It's time. Like, like he gets recruited every single time for a seemingly impossible task. And Moses has to be thinking, like, what is this? Mission Impossible? You're telling me to go tackle the greatest superpower that has ever conquered the known world. A people, my people who are enslaved, who don't even want me around. You want me to go? You've recruited me for this great rescue mission? This is impossible. See, our guy, Moses, asks a very fair question in response to God's recruitment on this rescue mission. Moses asks the question, who am I? Who am I? Because if we were to do a, like a study of Moses' life, he, he barely survived birth. He was associated with the very empire that is oppressing his people. Then he goes off and kills one of his own people that has adopted him. And then he runs because everybody knows about it. Nobody wants Moses. He has been exiled. He has been forgotten for decades. Moses has a terrible track record. He'll tell God later on in the next chapter that I actually have the worst leadership skills. I can't convince a rock to do anything. Like, I could throw it, but I wouldn't be able to convince it to do a thing. Like, I can't speak good, God. Moses is, is raising up his resume to God saying, who am I? Why me? Go find you an Ethan Hunt, a Tom Cruise figure. Like, I, I don't do my own stunts. And so Moses is here asking a very fair question. Who am I? And what I want us to recognize here in this moment is we find ourselves here in this space often as well. You and me, like Moses, we look at God and say, me? With my tattered past? With my uncertain future? I don't have the skills to speak like that or to articulate like that or to to unpack things like that or lead like that. And we all get to this place where, to be frank and fair, we all are just more self-aware like Moses. You see, Moses is self-aware. And the thing that God wants you to actually look to instead of being crippled or paralyzed by your self-awareness into self-doubt and more self-doubt and more self-doubt, listing excuse after excuse, is to lift up your gaze and realize God knows. <laughs> he called you by name and he knows all of your deficiencies. Every single one better than you do. And so what does God do in response to Moses' self-awareness? He responds like this in verse 12. And he being God said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. So what does God do here? Moses, invited to a rescue mission. Tackle a global superpower. You got this. You've been recruited. And he says, can't be me. 
with all of my deficiencies. He's, he, he lists out with God probably in this moment. Of, There's got to be a whole host of other better candidates for this. And what does God do as he looks Moses in the face? He says, yeah, I know, but I will be with you. He doesn't say, no, no, you're great. You've got it all together. You're actually a much more articulate person than you think. He doesn't say that. He says, yes, I know, but I will be with you. You see, this is the confidence you and I get to have that when the God of the universe, the creator and sustainer of all things, calls you by name, he is going to send you in his name and your great confidence and your great hope that it will actually amount to anything at all is going to be because he's with you. Not because of your impressiveness, not because of your strength, not because of your track record, but actually because of your unimpressiveness, because of your weakness, because of your broken past and your tattered plans, because all of it, because he is with you, God is saying, mission's possible. Mission possible. And so I want us to hear together this morning, up to this very point, Moses it's a lot like you and me. He didn't speak that good. He's got a broken past. He's filled with self-doubt because he's convinced he's just really self-aware. He wants to interact with, with God. He wants to experience the miraculous, but he only wants to do it from a safe distance just to be able to see, to say that he's, he's here. He's a participant. And so Moses is going to conclude for us with one very, yet again, appropriate question to God. That if he is called by name and sent in God's name, I need to know, God, who are you? (laughs) Who are you? Look in the text with me in verse 13. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel, if, not when, but if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, well, what's what's his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you, and this is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Now, we would need a lot more time to fully unpack the richness and the extent of these verses, but what I want to just highlight for us briefly today is this. God has a name. And you may interact with God strictly on his titles. You may, you may pray day in and day out, and you say, God, I like you. I, I love you. I'm thankful for you. Lord, you are, you are so good to me. Maybe you have an even more intimate title. You say, Father, thank you for all that you've done for me. And what I'm here to tell you this morning is that those are good and wonderful, and they are all titles of God. Our God has a name. 
And he says that it's going to be his name for all time, forevermore. That name is Yahweh. Yahweh is the word, the name that means I am or I will be. It is this, this word that, that is ne- no one else's name. It's, it's a word that essentially means to be now and always. It is God saying, I'm here. It's me. I've always been and I always will be. Present, past, future, I am the beginning, I am the end. There is no more beginning than me. There is nothing after me. I am the alpha and the omega. There is no time stamp on God and there is no variation in his character. He is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. Why? Because he is Yahweh. He is and always will be. That's his name. And I think if we're honest, you and I, we don't interact with God this way. And I'm, I'm convinced this morning that his invitation is, try me. Try me and see how much it establishes a greater confidence, the sort that will get you excited about being on this rescue mission with me versus just being so comfortable to stay a safe distance afar from me. You see, we have to think about the context here. Why would God, in this moment, tell Moses, this is my name, that I want you to call me for all your days, forevermore? I am, I am, and I will be, now and always. Because he just told Moses a verse or two ago, you want to know what confidence you can have to go up against a global superpower, to go tackle an impossible mission? It's because I will be with you. So what is Moses doing? Like, it's a long journey from Midian to Egypt, and he's having to rehearse over himself. I can't believe this. I am no Tom Cruise. Okay, Okay, when the people ask me who sent me, I'm going to say to him, I am or I will be. That's God's name. I am or I will be. I am or I will be. Just got to remember that. That's his name. I am or I will be, and he will be with me. He is, he will be, always and forever with me. You see, this is the refrain that Moses must be considering the days leading up to actually with a staff going up against the power above all powers in the, in the, in the human creation, the, the Pharaoh himself. He's going to him and saying, you want to know who sent me? Yahweh. He is and he always will be with me. Right, like, he, like it, it's, it's, it's something for him, not just for the people, because Pharaoh, just like the Israelites, are going to ask him, who? Who sent you? Who is this God? And with each question he receives in that tone and in that way, he's going to say, he is and he always will be with me. See, this is the context in which Moses receives the name of God, Yahweh. And I want us to recognize as a people, we need, we need this name of God. We need to remember that he is and always will be with us if we're actually going to be a people who receive his commission to be sent on a rescue mission for his name. And, and, the, and I just want to wrap with this. Like, like the, I have read Exodus 3 more times than I can count. Um, I have been a student of the scriptures for years, and this time, afresh and anew, I have been blown away by the power of God's name. 
And when I think about the fact that if if we were to flip through the pages and get through the Old Testament, page one, New Testament, page one of God's redemptive purposes entering into a world where all of a sudden a greater rescue mission, the ultimate rescue mission, not just over uh, one superpower from long ago who enslaved God's people. I'm talking about sin and Satan and death itself. I'm going to tackle the rescue mission of all rescue missions. Page one, Matthew chapter one of the New Testament. This is the blessed assurance we receive as people on the other side of the cross. Matthew 1, look at, this, look at these verses with me. Matthew 1. She will bear a son, Mary, and you shall call his name Jesus, which means deliverer. For he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Verse 23, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. What has echoed through time, what God has threaded a needle through all of his redemptive story, is that you and I might have that whisper to cling to as he sends us time and again. God with us. He is and he always will be God with us. And you and I get the greatest glimpse because as privileged people on the other side of Jesus' cross, his tomb, and his resurrection, guess what? We get to be convinced every single day when God calls you again each morning by name and says, I love you. I've, I've, I've pursued you. I've made a place for you. When he calls you by name like that and he sends you on the greatest rescue mission to to reconcile a lost people to the God that is good and glorious and just and right, when he beckons you toward that grand adventure, he wants you to know without a shadow of a doubt you get to have the same refrain that Moses did. He is and he always will be. Yahweh with us. And we get to see it in the face of Jesus. We get to hear it in his voice. We get to examine it week after week in his life and his death and his resurrection and the fact that he is coming again because he is and he always will be with us. And so the invitation this morning, Seven Mile Road, is will you stop being a people who settles for less than this? You may have assumed that it was just fine to participate, just to sit in the back row. And there's nothing wrong with sitting in the back row though there's a lot of room up here. Um, There's nothing wrong with sitting in the back row. And yet the invitation from God is, don't don't settle. Don't settle from interacting with me and engaging with me and witnessing me from a safe distance. There's so much more. I want to speak to you face to face like a friend. I want to show you my glory in ways that you can't even imagine. I want you to be invited and thrust into an adventure of a lifetime, the greatest rescue mission that God has ever instituted. You get to play an active role in that. Seven Mile Road, would you stop settling for less? Amen. Let me pray for us. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you this day that you have gifted us with a name that we get to know you intimately, that you are and always will be with us. You are Yahweh. And 
you have given us the greatest clarity as to exactly what sort of God you are, exactly what that means that you are and always will be with us by gifting us with another name, Jesus. And so thank you this day that we get to place our hope, our trust in you. Thank you that for so many of us in this room, you have called us by name and we are forever yours. Help us believe all over again that if you have called us, you have sent us. And that in of itself is such a gift. Help us behold you rightly this day, God. Help us love exactly who you are and help us hear your voice and respond to it. You are worthy of that, God. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.